And welcome back to Dads on the Air, coming to you around Australia on the Community Radio Network. In this program, we bring you informing and entertaining conversations with a wide range of interesting people on topics of fatherhood, family and parenting, men's and boys' issues, and more. Hi, I'm Bill Cable, and our special guest today is Dr. Gregory Smith, whose background does not reveal the usual path followed to become a university lecturer, a government advisor, and the author of a second book. Gregory had a life of homelessness and despair. He spent nearly 10 years alone in a forest of northern New South Wales, living as a hermit, before he had a life-changing reckoning on where he was heading. It is our privilege today to speak with Gregory about his new book, Better Than Happiness, where we find out how Gregory has achieved so much from a very low starting point. Gregory, welcome back to Dads on the Air. Thanks for the invitation, Bill. Pleasure to be here. That's great. Well, Gregory, when we last spoke in 2018, did you have a five-year plan to be where we are now in 2023? Bill, I don't have a one-day plan. (laughs) So I certainly didn't have a five-year plan. Um, One of of the big lessons I've learned in life is uh, don't interfere. Don't interfere with the, uh, the flow of life for myself. You know, and what I find is that each day when I get out of bed, I'm just totally astounded by the events of a day, like today. Yes, well, look, uh, the other side of that coin, going back to that park bench where you were sitting in 1999, you say you had an epiphany, um, not the religious kind, but uh, have you had any other epiphanies along the way? Uh, Not to that extent, no, Bill, not Mm. to that extent, but I I have a lot of realisations each day. I now have a 14-month-old son. With a great name, I might add, too. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, uh, William Peel Plough Smith. Yeah, a uh, very strong name. I, I thought a long time about that one. But he provides me with just these amazing uh, insights into life every day, into contentment every day. In 2017, you resolved not to have any relationships. Um, you, you had a whole lot of other things to focus on, and I think you list your vocation, your purpose in life, your career, good friends, five sisters, one daughter. But uh, you did find yourself in a relationship since then, didn't you? Well, I have. Yes, I have. And that's, again, that goes back to, you know, not interfering with my life, um, just letting it sort of go with the flow and accepting little messages along the way. Today, I'm in a very healthy relationship with a woman that I love very much. Uh, I have two stepsons whom I learn a lot from. They're just fascinating young boys. Well, we're almost men now. And as I said, a 14-month-old son who who teaches me so much about just enjoying life. You still have that thirst for finding out about things and, and for increasing your knowledge. And it's great that, you, you know, at your, at your stage of life, you, that, you know, some people want to, you know, get back into a ball and just sort of ride it out. But you're uh, you're out there, aren't you? Yeah, I am out there. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, being out there, it, it's, um, it's that paradox. You know, the more I do, the more energy I, I garner. Yeah, you know, I get up in the morning, I have a purpose, I go on, you know, 
turn the page in my diary and, oh, look at this. You know, I have, you know today I have an interview um, with Dad's on the air. That's just fantastic. You know, I've got this to do and that to do. I don't think about it. I don't think about it until I see that, you know, what I need to do on the on the day page in my diary. And, you know, things come up if I f- sort of go forward, which I don't very often, and I have a look January next year or something, I've probably got a whole lot of things that I've put in there. People have called me, can you do this? Can you do that? Will you talk to us about this? You know, it's just an amazing life. I just enjoy. I enjoy one page at a time. So you you don't let all these uh, obligations and uh, activities sort of get on top of you at all? Well, they don't if, because I don't look at them all at once. You know, I only look at what I need to do today. Tomorrow, for example, uh, let me see what's tomorrow. Okay, tomorrow I'm in Sydney. So, you know, I'm in Orange today, tomorrow I'm in Sydney and I'm giving a talk to a large company tomorrow on something that they've requested me to talk about. A couple of weeks ago, I put my notes together because I had in my diary put notes together for talk in on, uh, on Wednesday 29. Uh, that's done. Park that. Get on with today. You gave a, a TEDx talk a few years ago, and one of the, I understand one of the most frequent questions was, are you happy? So yes. I, I should pass that on. Are you happy, Gregory? I'm more than happy. I'm contented. <laughs> And I say I'm contented because if I'm contented, like if I'm happy and something happens and I'm not happy, then I'm not happy. But if I'm contented, I can have moments where I'm not happy, but I still appreciate my life. I'm still grateful for where I am in my life. So being contented allows me to be dissatisfied for a moment or unhappy for a moment or you know grumpy for a moment or being contented with my life gives me permission to explore and experience all my emotions without guilt or resentment. And hence the title of your book, uh, Better Than Happiness, because uh, people that strive for happiness all the time are going to be disappointed, I guess, aren't they? Well, you can't have happiness all the time, Bill. It's mm. just not realistic. Mm. You know, and, and the whole concept of happiness has been commodified. There's profiteering around the idea of if you buy this, you'll be happy. Now, have an ice cream, you'll be happy for a while. Buy a new car, you'll be happy for a bit longer. You know, develop this relationship, you'll be happy until you're not. Contentment gives me a life purpose. You know, I look around me and I see that I'm secure in the day, I'm secure in my life. I have a healthy relationship. And in a healthy relationship, there are moments when, you know, we have uncomfortable discussions. And I and I feel ang- anxious or you know upset about the moment. That doesn't mean I'm not contented with my lot in life because I am. Whereas if I was just looking for happiness, I'd be very disappointed very often. Perhaps your your um, understanding of contentment it might be a, a particular one in that. Uh, I mean, some people might say contentment is sort of an unconditional surrender. It means you you're not going to actually do anything. You're just going to sit back. Contently, but I think yours is a more active understanding, isn't it? Well, yeah, absolutely. Look, um, it's not passive. Uh, in my world, uh, contentment is not passive. And I think you have to work hard for it. You know, it's something that I, that I strive for. It's something that I have to maintain <laughs> each day. You know, there's a vigilance that comes with that contentment because, you know, if, if I take it for granted, it can be very quickly removed. Part of that was... Um 
it seemed to be important for you to make it up to everyone you wronged over the over a, a fair period. I mean, even the ATO and the state government, you, <laughs> That's true. you yeah. unusually, you got in touch with them and said, you know, what can I do for you, sort of thing. Absolutely, and, and that's true, yeah. And I, I, I actually walked into the ATO office, the Australian Taxation Office, not expecting to walk out because I owed money. You know, I knew I did. And it's knowing those things that can weigh heavily um, on a conscience. And I didn't want those things weighing on my conscience. You know, I wanted to be free of all those debts, of all those obligations, and the same today. You know, I don't want to hurt people. If I say something offensive to somebody and, I, you know, I can't sleep at night because that's playing on my mind, tomorrow one of the very first things I will do is I'll get up and I'll go, I apologise to that person. You know, I'm really sorry that I offended and realised it at the time and I certainly didn't mean to do that at the time. But on reflection, I can understand why you might be hurt. It's not my intent to go around hurting people. That doesn't facilitate for a life of contentment, knowing that you know people are angry with me or they're going to get me when I turn a corner or something like that. But at the same time, it's realising that you can't please all the people all the time. There's people that disagree with, with the way I think. There's people that disagree with what I say. That's fine. I have no problem with that. If you want to talk about it, I'm open to that. I'll listen to your perspective, your point of view. That doesn't mean that I have to subscribe to it. And we're speaking today with uh, Dr. Gregory Smith, who is the author of a new book called Better Than Happiness. Uh, Gregory, about this time of the show, we always ask our guests if they'd like to pick a song. Uh, have you got one for us? Yeah, I like um, a song by John Denver, any song. And I like it because when I first met my fiancée, she nominated that song as our song. And I'd never actually listened to the song before, so... You know, I, I, yeah, I, I'll choose John Denver's song, Annie. You fill up my senses like night in a forest Like the mountains in springtime Like a walk in the rain Like a storm in the desert Like a sleepy blue ocean You fill up my senses Come fill me again Come let me love you let me give my life to you Let me drown in your laughter Let me die in your arms Let me lay down beside you Let me always be with you Come let me love Come love me
That was any song especially chosen for us today by our special guest, Dr. Gregory Smith, who is the author of a new book called Better Than Happiness. And, uh, yeah, what what a great song. Gregory, um, we were just talking then about uh, how important it is for you when, you've, when you appear to have wronged somebody, that, that you make it up to that person. I guess that all goes to being a good man in society. What do you see that good man in society? What does he, what does he look like? I'm not sure about that. I, I'm just the best man I can be. What does it look like? I guess the first and foremost, it's been it's understanding that what I have in life, I'm very grateful for, uh, and it's a lot more than a lot of people have in their life. Gratitude is a, is a very big part of being the best person I can be. How does how does that um, translate into what I do? And I work with very vulnerable people, disadvantaged people, and I do the, you know, I advocate for um, for them at at those high levels. You mentioned earlier that you know I consult government departments, I, I consult government um, governments in in general, uh, and not just in Australia, in, in um, internationally as well. And I talk about what we can, as a society, can do better to improve the life of a lot of people or the lives of a lot of people. So, And that's a very serious issue, I believe, especially at the moment. You know, people are experiencing... You know, we're moving up into Christmas. People are noticing... Well, they don't... Not just noticing. People know that, you know, they can't afford as much food as they used to. Uh, you know, there is under... A lot of cost, cost of living pressures. You know, their children won't have the same present quality or, or quantity of presents that they usually get. So there's all those little things, you know, that sort of come together and just make me uh, appreciate what I can do. I'm just doing a radio. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. That's okay. It's okay. We can edit that out, I'm sure. Um, yes, it seems to me. From the community's point of view, it's important that, that we work with these homeless people because um, at one stage or a couple of stages, you point out a lot of wisdom that you gain from speaking in these people in homeless shelters. You know, and I mean, starting with one where you said, if you want to feel good, you do good things. So yeah. wouldn't it be great if uh, everyone stuck to that principle? For me, it's a very simple principle. If you want to feel bad, do bad things. You know, if you want your conscience to be creeping around sort of tapping you on the shoulder with with those with the guilt and all those complexes that go with that, do bad things. If, if that's where your space is, if you want to feel good, do good things. And that's not just for individuals. That's for organisations, not-for-profits, governments, everybody. 
And yet, interestingly for you, it wasn't a straight path out of um, out of homelessness. I, I, I know you, at your first attempt of living in a flat, it, it didn't really work out until you finally sorted out in 2004. But I guess people that are in these very bad situations have to realise that, uh, yeah, there are going to be some ups and downs along the path. Uh, absolutely. Look, I wasn't ready for uh, my first attempt. But that doesn't mean I should not have tried, you know, because... If I hadn't have tried it, that I wouldn't have learned the lessons that I weren't. I, I'd learned. I wouldn't have had the insights that came out of trying. So I made that attempt. It didn't work. Then I sat down and I reflected on, well, why didn't that work? My life skills weren't at the point they needed to be to sustain long-term housing. So I was able to sit down and reflect on that uh, and take very important uh, messages away from that moment. You say uh, you're not anxious anymore, but but that you're still reconciling with the past. So is this an ongoing project with you? I, I think I do experience moments of anxiety. I think that's healthy to be able to do that. And I mm. think that comes into that whole idea of what is contentment. And con- mm. the idea of contentment allows me to have anxious moments. And those anxious moments come as you know sometimes in an uncomfortable moment when I'm uh, when my, when my fiance comes and wants to talk about something that makes me uncomfortable that doesn't mean you know yeah I'll, I'll be uncomfortable in that moment but that again that doesn't mean that I'm not contented with my relationship or my life because I am and I certainly experience moments of anxiety especially around my 14-month-old son, I get a little bit anxious if he's walking on the edge of the water and I start to feel, oh, is that, is that too close or something like that. that. Little things like that sort of get me going. And they're normal. That's just normal uh, life experiences. This doesn't mean that there's great issues in my life. I think I've come to terms and I've resolved most of, well, all that I know of, of my past, exploits and things like that to the best of my knowledge there's no one that i like in the past that i owe an apology to wow i've made all those apologies i wish uh, i wish we could all say that but you you do have uh which i think a lot of us do at that little voice inside you and uh you your particular one is you know you were told so often as a child that you were stupid and now i guess that translates to a type of imposter syndrome how do you deal with that I think I, there's no longer a need to deal with it. I think I've again I've come to terms with that. You know, you mentioned earlier. Um, you know, I have have a few letters after my name, uh, PhD, OAM, mm-hmm. uh, just a couple of them. And the OAM certainly quenches that idea that I am an imposter because I, I don't receive that type of recognition as an imposter. You know, mm-hmm. I do the work. I see the, the outcomes of the work I do, and that validates my efforts today. The PhD part of it, that qualifies me to do that work and to produce those outcomes. I was challenged a little bit after I'd, a little while after I'd been completed my PhD. Now, a colleague had come up to me and asked me a question, and like I looked at him very shyly, I said, well, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know that I can answer that. And he looked at me quite sternly. He said, well, 
you're the expert on this. You've just done your PhD on this. You know, if you can't answer this, who does? Who can? And then when I took that away and I looked at that, and I thought, he's right. You know, I am the expert in this area. Uh, I am the leader. At that time, I was the world leader in this uh, in this area because I just completed my PhD research on it. So if I wasn't going to answer that question, who was? So you can rationalise it. Uh in that situation, I guess the, the the problem is sometimes that little voice isn't rational. It's just it's just there, and it, it's a bit it's a bit hard to sort of put down. But uh, you've conquered so many other demons along the way. There's just one more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, and look, that voice, that particular voice, doesn't um, annoy me these days. And again, I mean, I'm not approached for my knowledge contribution, i.e. opinion, educated opinion, by authorities of such high calibre as, you know, governments and institutions, uh, because I'm an imposter. Um, So, I mean, they value, and I mean, I've been working in this space for quite some time, and, you know, for example, there was a multi-institutional connection, phone connection that I was supposed to have tomorrow. But, you know, I had to send an email, look, I'm really sorry, I I just, you know, I'll be an apology for this meeting. And a reply comes back and says, well, from all the the key players, the uh, response comes back, well, let's postpone, let's not have this meeting because we really want your input into this meeting. So we're willing to reschedule. Now, I was sort of thinking about that and I thought, well, they must value my contribution to be mm. to have to want to do that, uh, and that's validation of my expertise and in this area, in the area that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, it's great that you've moved to where you do get that reassurance and validation, and uh, it's very encouraging. But another area, I mean, you've moved into uh, a new relationship. What do you see as the keys to your relationship with uh, with your new? stepsons, Catherine's two boys, is it is that a difficult relationship for you? It was challenging in the beginning because I'd never been in that type of relationship. I'd never experienced that type of relationship. I mean, I have a daughter, but I was never, uh, I never had that life opportunity of developing that intimacy, intimate, intimate relationship with her, uh, which I, you know, I had, I in that area, in that space, I do have regrets over, you know, because... I miss the idea of having a, 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 an in, uh, in-depth, intimate relationship with my, my daughter, like an appropriate relationship. Mm-hmm. With the boys, the key to having a really good relationship with them is knowing that I'm not their father and just trying to be their friend. What, what does a friend do? A friend listens when there's something to be heard, when one of them has a has something that they want to say or something, just just be quiet, pay, pay them the respect of listening to what they've got to say. And then sometimes what they say warrants a response and I'll respond as best, I'll respond as best I can in that moment. Sometimes it doesn't warrant a re- response and I just need to listen and validate where they're at at that moment. Oh, there's a, a lot in what you say, um, particularly these days with so many blended families. Um, I, I think there's a, a lot of wisdom in that. And there's always hope, isn't there? I mean, 36 years after your daughter, you had another child. <laughs> so. there's, there's, always, there's always hope. 
you know, there is always hope. And, um, you know, what a what a amazing experience it is to be able to, to be gifted the opportunity to be a part of a, a, another life. I mean, it's just so beautiful. I know when you were, were first interviewed by your partner, Catherine, uh, it, it went on and on much longer than either of you expected. Unfortunately, much as I'd like to carry on, we've uh, we've run out of time today. So uh, I have to give a, a special thank you. I'm just wondering, you know, if we can make a another time, say five years from now, and see where you're up to then. I'm sure it'll be it'll be amazing as well. Could I give a, a special thank you to our guest, uh, Greg, Dr. Gregory Smith, who is the author of a new book, Better Than Happiness. So, uh, Gregory, thanks very much for being on Dad's on the Air. Ah, uh, look. Thanks, Bill. Look, absolutely enjoy the moment. And if you choose to put five years in your diary and we reconnect, that's on you. And I'm only too pleased to be able to do it. That's fantastic. Well, look, we'd love to hear from our listeners too. So go to our website, dadsontheair.com.au. Send us an email. We'll be in touch. If you'd like to listen to this show or any of our shows, go to your favourite podcast app or our website, dadsontheair.com.au. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter. We'll be back next week with another show on Dads on the Air. You fill up my senses. Come fill me again. Let me give my life to you Let me drown in your laughter Let me die in your arms Let me lay down beside you Let me always be with you Come let me love you Come love me Like the mountains in spring